Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we honor and we thank you, God. We just pray, God, that you would help us in the brief moments that we have to get into your word and to know what you're doing and how you're doing it. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, now, you guys are in this, uh, the series of good news. Uh, and how many have ever been duped by people who told you that something was going to be good in actuality? It wasn't good at all, and you're mad. You know, I, I've got that letter in the mail that says you have won a free car, and I've actually showed up to the dealership believing that I got, was going to get a free car, and I ain't getting nothing but angry. <laughs> it is the most difficult thing. My wife, uh, before she became my wife, I came to her, and I said this after meeting her only one time. I said this um, at three weeks after meeting her. I said, listen, I've already talked to your, your family, and I don't know how you feel about me, but um, you're the one. <laughs> I want you to know that I'm going to be committed to you for the next four years exclusively. I won't think about, pursue, or go after another woman at all. Now, I don't know how you feel about me, and you can do whatever you got to do, but that is the commitment I give you. That was, this is a true story. But I got bad news. I don't like you now. I don't see myself liking you in the future. <laughs> and I, that's just, that ain't good news. All the praying I did, and she didn't tell me she don't like me. You know, and I would do a lot of terrific things. Like, y'all remember Karate Kid 2 when that song first came out? I would sing that to her. I am a man who will fight for your honor. I'll be the hero. You, you didn't do nothing. You know, and I, but in the fourth year, in a surprise turn of events, at the right time, she gave me the good news. She said yes. I mean, the feeling you get on the inside when you get that news, when you thought you was on the bottom and you find, I'm on the top. I'm a winner. Uh, it feels good. But Sometimes in order to get to the good place and the good news about what God has for us, he preached the good news from the very moment that his ministry began. The Bible says he preached it in Mark 4, 17. But he had to preach good news because bad news exists. This is the part of life that none of us likes to think about, that over us is a death sentence that we want to go away. Over us is the fact that when we close our eyes and we leave this planet, we need some assurance that we're going to go into eternal life and not eternal separation from God. Uh, that has haunted me all the days of my life. And even though I have accepted the good news about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, his sinless life, and the salvation that he offers to me, I'm telling you that it's some type of sobering fear when you end up, like I'm afraid of planes. I know it don't look like I'm afraid of much, but I am. You know, that plane right over here was tearing me up. It's turbulent. <laughs> and you know, the funny thing is, I'm on this plane, and I find myself, after all my years of knowing Jesus, saying it again. Well, Lord, you know, I don't know no known sins, but, you know, search me. Because if we go down, I want to make sure I'm getting in. Lord, help me. Isn't it funny when it comes to this good news that the story 
that, that it's always just right there. Like, am I really going to make it? I can go back to my childhood and just to help you get an understanding of me and how I graduated to this uh, place of, of taking bad news and making it good news. Um, my dad, who, who had gotten lost and gotten involved in a cult uh, when we were five years old, uh, in the middle of the night, my mom had to steal us away. He wanted to harm us. And, and we lived from place to place, from house to house. And, and you know, it was a terrible uh, a season. My, my mom was a hardworking woman, and she, you know, she taught me to work hard. And uh, I remember at five years old was the first time I ever repented. I was on the school bus just riding along by myself with my little broken home and broken life and everything, and I just started cussing. All by myself, just cussing, just cussing. Nobody else in the seat but me. And conviction hit me. At five years old, conviction hit me that God was not pleased with the words that was coming out of my mouth. And I said these words for the first time I remember, Lord, I'm sorry. And I went home and I told my mama, Mama, I've been cussing. He said, well, the Lord forgive you, and I do too. And you know, I found the joy of good news that lets you, this is, now you got to watch this part of the story. The good news was that I was forgiven. The better news was I can go and make the same mistake again. And I did. Because all you got to do is go, like, talk to God about it again, and then he erases it. It's cool. You can see it and have Jesus. See it and have Jesus. I love it. Because in us is this desire raging on the inside of every human being that is on the planet right now to do wrong and evil and vile. It's called your flesh. And the Bible says he's not getting rid of it. You've got to live with it. Paul said that when I will to do good, evil is always present. Who should deliver me from this body of death? I thank God that Jesus Christ. That whenever you want to do good, something in you fights. Cut me off if you want to. Somebody cut me off and I, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, you, gotta, you, you don't want to do it, but you speed up. Like, you, 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 you don't know if you're going to look over yet, but you just, you know, you get ready to look just in case you want to let them know that I, I, you shouldn't have cut me off. Speed up and look over and somebody waving. Hi, Pastor James. One of your mess. Mm. You see, my broken life, my confused life, and the pattern to do sin all over again is raging on the inside of me. And what will I do? My, that you were supposed to turn your stuff off, and that's me. You know, like they say it on announcements. I've never seen an announcement like that, by the way, where they tell you to turn your ring off like it's a theater and everything. That's great. I'm going to go home and do that. <laughs> My mother tried to teach me to overcome the flesh by being a hard worker. It was about the strength that I had. You know, like that pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Uh, so when I was 15 years old, my, my mom put me in a suit, and she said, baby, I want to tell you something. I said, what's up, mama? She said, get your suit. Here goes $7. You are now homeless. I said, mom, what you mean? She said, I want you to leave here and go get a job. 
And she said, don't come back without a job. She said, if you come back without a job, I will call the police and say it's a strange man on the porch trying to get in the house. <laughs> this is a true story. Pastor Kevin can verify it. My mama told him directly. So I went out and, you know, to put some job application in, caught the bus. And then, you know, $7 is not a lot of money, by the way. You know, once you eat lunch and, you know, catch one bus fare, you just, you out. And then, I, you know, I was putting in applications, but I was learning something as I put in applications that nobody hires you on the first day that you put in the application. And she said, I can't come home without a job. And I remember crying and walking and crying and walking at 15 years old, and I came upon a movie theater, and I stopped in front of this movie theater, and I went in, and I filled out an application. I asked if they interview me now. They said no, and I realized I didn't have nowhere to go. I was homeless. And so the homelessness in me made me desperate enough to go behind their counter and get their broom and their dustpan, and I just started sweeping up the lobby. Then when I was done sweeping up the lobby, I went in the back, in the back of their building, got the spray and the paper towel, and I got that, started wiping out the building. And eventually the general manager saw me doing all that, and he called me over to himself, and he said, now, look, okay, 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 I, I'll give you a job. I said, well, call my mama, because I don't have no other way home. Let her know that, that I'm on. You see, she believed that for me to overcome life and even achieve eternal life, it was about my effort, how much I was going to put into it. But no matter how hard I worked, I could not get away from the sins that stalked me on the inside, that every time I did the right thing, and every time I worked hard, there was a temptation, a solicitation, and a participation on my behalf to do something wrong. But I was going to church. My mama put me in church, and I developed this pattern of hypocrisy. It says, uh, you can have Jesus and sin and be comfortable but at the last minute, if you're on a plane or if you're in peril, just cry out. Lord, you know what I mean? You got to get it right. I know it's a listen on thing, but I'm going to just wipe it away in Jesus' name. I'm going home to heaven. The Bible says that we are to live a life in keeping with repentance. We're to live a life that is synonymous with holiness. And, and how to do this, somehow we lose sight. So, I'm a high schooler now, and I'm going to a Christian school. I thought, surely that qualifies me. I've gone through confirmation class. I've been baptized. I am uh, knowledgeable now. I've studied the Old and the New Testament. I know all 66 books. Glory to God. I felt Hey, not because of the good news, because of me. We all have gotten here at some point. So uh, I'm going to a party, but you know, saints can go to parties, you know that, right? <laughs> saints can go. And I'm on my way to a party, it's my senior year in school, and I'm at my best friend's house, Kevin Peterson, and Mrs. Peterson says, before you guys go out to the party, uh, she said, let me pray for you. And I said, why wouldn't I mind prayer? Grabbed our hand, 
He began to pray. She said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that if they go, if they die tonight, that you would show mercy, that they wouldn't go straight to hell, that maybe you would have some type of intervention. I mean, and it was, I, <laughs> I said, oh, no, no, no. Miss Peterson, hold on, I said, Miss Peterson. Uh-uh, Miss Peterson, I sing in the choir. I'm a bell ringer. <laughs> That's what I told her. I said, I'm sorry, I mean, you, I don't know what they doing, but you know, I, I'm fine. She said, no, 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 you know what you're doing. She said, you know, you can tell by the environment that you're going to, by what you're about to participate in. She said, I know because you're hanging with my sons, and I know where they at. <laughs> that night, I stayed with Miss Peterson. I let them go to the party. I just stayed there hanging with their mama. Something about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. Yeah, I gotta wait, I gotta slow down. I want to turn your attention with my little remaining time. I'm gonna complete that story. Uh, to John 3, verse. One, Jesus is on the earth. Uh, his ministry is just beginning. There's some controversy about the things he does. He's been doing a lot of miracles. Some people are believing based on the miracles, and some people are not. Uh, some very prominent leaders are, are making changes in their life. Verse 1, now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who is from God, for no one can perform the signs that you do, you are doing, if God were not with him. Here, here it is. There are things you have to do in order to get the good news. You have to have a seeking heart. Here is a person who is a part of the Sanhedrin, who is a, a, a leading teacher. Um, he's very educated. Uh, the Sanhedrin class had doctors in it, wise people, uh, elder people. He, he is not a part of the Roman governing system, but the ecclesiastical governing system. Um, he is a very prominent person, and he'd been around Jesus hearing all that he said, and he comes to him by night. And I don't know how you need to get to Jesus. I don't know how stubborn or stuck in your ways you are or I was. I don't know if hypocrisy lives in you like it lived in me. And I don't know how dark the hour is and it may be midnight. But Nicodemus found himself reaching out to Jesus and asking questions that were critical for him to ever enter into eternal life. He had to lay down his education to do it. He had to lay down his bias to do it. He had to get away from the crowd in order to do it. But he had to find himself seeking Jesus in order to get this good news. And when he speaks to Jesus, he does not speak to him as the son of God. He says, you're, you're, you're a teacher. He's being polite, but leaving him in a lesser role. He's being nice. He's being nice, but he's making it clear to Jesus 
I don't believe you are the way yet. I don't believe you are the truth yet. I don't believe you are the light yet. You can be a step away from Jesus and seeking him and around him and around the scriptures all of the time and still find that you are lost and without the good news. Because you don't have the right perspective about Jesus. Jesus replied, Verily I tell you, no one, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus says, Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb. You know, look, look at this. This is someone talking back and forth to Jesus, Jesus who is a superior teacher, Jesus who he's coming to with humility. But as soon as Jesus tells him something about the kingdom, which means God's way of doing things and being right in the earth. The kingdom means God's way of doing things and being right in the earth. As soon as he begins to give him clarity about being born again, that his earthly uh, 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 position is not enough to give him a spiritual position with God, he begins to give him a silly response. You want me to go back to my mama's belly? It's always somebody smarter than God. There's always someone trying to outsmart the system. There's always somebody who thinks it's another way. There's always people that I'm ministering to and I'm telling them about their life and their lifestyle and how that's not consistent with the life of faith. And it shows that they don't really trust Jesus with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and they've not made him Lord. And they tell me, oh, it's all right. I ain't killed nobody. When I get up there, Jesus and me, we'll talk about it. He'll understand. And I'm saying, no, 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 no. It don't work like that. It didn't work because you went to a great church like this, by the way. I wish I was a member of this church. It's a phenomenal church. It's great. Man, I want to move here just to be in this building. It's great. It's nice. I mean, I got to go home and change some stuff. This, I walked through here like, man, this is better than anything they build. I mean, this is first class. Glory to God. I don't care where your midnight is. Your midnight is when you're without revelation, Nicodemus. Your midnight is when you cannot see there. He is the way. Your midnight is when you don't deal with Jesus as he should be dealt with. Your midnight is when you do reduce him to just your buddy, to just your friend, and not the Lord and the author of life, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the Alpha and Omega, the only wise God, the only true Savior, one you must submit to and give, give, give your life to. No, 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 no. He's not to be casually dealt with. You kind of praise him. You kind of submit to him. You kind of live for him. You kind of think about him. You're just in a kind of Nicodemus. Jesus upgrades from seeking. Because once you seek him, Jesus is able to give you something very powerful, and that's the standard. Oh, you want to seek me? You want information? Let me tell you what it rests upon. John 5, Jesus answered, Verily I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom, God's way of doing things and being right of God, unless they are born of the water and the spirit, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear the sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it's going. So it is with everyone that is born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked him. 
how can it be? Here God is beginning to tell him there's a standard. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is the ways of death. Here he's telling them the standard that if you don't get your spiritual separation dealt with, there remains no other way. There, there's only one way, one mediator between God and man, and that's the man, Jesus Christ. It is not you, James Lowe, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. It is not you, James Lowe, working hard or or I'm just going to do the mental gymnastics of thinking right and keeping my mind pure. I'm going to use the disciplines of not drinking or doing drugs or getting into uh, inappropriate movies. I'm going to do all these disciplines. And guess what? You can do all those disciplines in life by fleshly strength and still have a spiritual condition where you and God are separate and separated and you do not have eternal life. I'm here today to announce to you there is a standard. There is a standard. I didn't leave my church today because I don't have anything else to do. I left on assignment to say there is a standard. And you are a people in the city with a great work to do. I can sense it even when I walked in the room. But yes, God is asking for an upgrade. There is a standard. That means you've got to take a stand. And you've got to look at where you are versus the standard. My kids, after watching the AD series at night and hearing the Easter sermon, I came home and they got me in the bedroom and they said, Dad, I said, yeah, we need you to pray with us. I said, why? He said, oh, we just got to make sure we're getting in. We can't go to sleep until we make sure we're getting in. I said, son, I mean, you, you, you know, you, y'all have prayed this, you know, you feel this, you, you, you find, they said, look, dad, uh, it's clearer now who he is. It's clearer now what he's done. It's clear that he actually raised from the dead. Dad, I, I believed it as a story, but uh, I, that we need you to pray. And they was petrified. I said, okay, I, they said, just pray. So I, I asked them, did they believe everything? And they said, yes. And I said, let me see if I can pinpoint the problem. You believe, the Bible says it is Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in their heart that God is raised from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto salvation, uh, unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. In other words, they believe the story, but they hadn't submitted to him as Lord. And I pinpointed that, and I said, y'all, they said, we want to do that fast. <laughs> I said, and I asked them, I said, do y'all have sin in your life? They said, yes. <laughs> I said, Lord. <laughs> Growing up in the preacher's home, you can be around Pastor Dan Stevens for the next 20 years, and his faith won't translate into your salvation. I prayed for him. Boy, I'm telling you, I know they had an experience because they was happy. Oh, Dad, we can sleep. They've been talking. They, they just, let's read the word. They up on their own. See, when the standard is in you and you get the born-again experience, when you get the good news, you get a spiritual appetite. The Bible says you desire the sincere milk of the word, the source. I'll end with this part. The source, he begins to tell them 
Nicodemus, you've got to, just like the serpent that was raised up in the desert that had bitten the children of Israel, and if they would look on this bronze serpent, they would live. Son of man, he's going to be raised up, and everybody that looks to him, no matter where the darkness has been, you can live. Now, for me, that defining moment came not after Miss Peterson's, because I still got a little religious. God spoke to me coming out of a party. And I was in a party. He said, Jane, you need to get out of here. And I, you know, sometimes you can be around God, you can be around his word, and you can just hold on to your sin so long. And then you hear those words from God, get out of here. Well, I said, I'm gonna sh- this party about to be shot up. And my, I'm, a, I'm considered a church boy. I'm considered the best person people know. And I come out of the party, and I'm circled up by all these people, and they, they're asking me what's wrong. And I said, God, say, we, I need to get out of here. It's about to be shot up. And everybody is just nervous, and I leave. And as soon as I leave, the party gets shot up. I'm walking around still in my sin. I'm looking for the people who did it because I'm a kind of a crazed kind of person before God transformed me. And I come across these skinheads. And there was this interracial couple. They was hanging together, and they was being tormented by them. And I went and got a bat. And this is my defining moment in life where I felt that, that I was justified to go crack their skull because they were doing something wrong, but I couldn't see the wrong in me. Sin makes you so blind. And I ran down that hill with murderous intentions, I promise you. I'm from Detroit, Michigan. We don't bluff. And I ran down there with that bat and Mercy came around the corner at the same time. The police showed up. And then that feeling comes on the inside of you like, oh, man. And I began to weep because I realized at that moment that I'm not saved. But God's sin's got a greater grip on me than him. And threw that back down and cried. I can feel the emotion now. I cried and cried. Surrender, not to just believing, but submitting to you as Lord. I'm here today because I spent a portion of my life as a counterfeit around the truth and not surrender to it. And I was on the verge of the most dismal things, at least the things I could tell you. But Jesus whispered the good news. Bow your head, close your eyes if you're here today. And Jesus has touched you in any way, and you know that, man, I've got to be born again. No one's calling you to the front. Nobody's going to embarrass you. And I want no one looking in this moment because it's so personal. If that's you, and you know, man, I'm going to need Jesus maybe for the first time, or I'm going to have to come back to him. When I count three, you're just going to put your hand up and put it down, and I'm going to end with praying for you. One, two, three. Thank you. Thank you. I see all of those hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would bless every person that has raised their hand not to just have an experience of believing, but submitting to you as the Lord of their life. Take all of our lives and be Lord of it. We thank you in Jesus' name.